0: The scripture reading this evening is from the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, reading from chapter 11 and beginning to read at verse 8, reading through verse 16, verses 8 through 16 of Hebrews 11. We'll be focusing particularly on verses 10 and 16, but of course in the context of this entire passage. Let us pray. Our Father, with the scriptures open before us, and this book breathed out by your Holy Spirit, we pray that you will send that same Spirit to touch our hearts and the mouth of the preacher, so that together we may submit to you, may love your word, and may have a clear understanding of what you have given. We pray that our minds may not be distracted, that our hearts may be willing to receive everything that you have recorded for the sake of the church, in order that we might indeed seek the city with foundation. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Reading Hebrews 11 at verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place where he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundation, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive Let's read verse 10 and 16 again. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This is the reading of the infallible and inerrant word of God. It doesn't take uh, watching the news very long, Congregation of Our Lord Jesus Christ, to notice that tent cities have grown up in countless places throughout the world, places where whole families escape from disasters such as war and floods and earthquakes. When homes are destroyed, people have to go somewhere, and they're often reduced to living in tents. Huge tent cities spring up in areas hit by hurricanes, depending on the country. And we have known people who have lived in tent cities in Kenya and Ethiopia for years. And while they were there, they got married and they conceived children. And they wondered whether life would ever be normal for them again. They were waiting for an opportunity either to return to their homeland or to come to North America. And that's how we met them. The truth is that we're all living in a tent city. You may have a home with a very solid foundation, even with a basement, but your home and your life are actually only temporary, and you could just as well be living in a tent for all the permanence that life has. No one here can count on being forever on this earth or even living always in the same place. Eventually, the earthly tent that you live in will be destroyed, Paul says, and then you're going to have to move again. And even newborn babies cannot count on being permanently settled, even though we remind them by baptizing them that they belong to a different world. In fact, we and our little ones will never fit into this world. They will always be, in a sense, misfits. So you might as well accept it right now. Your family and mine are misfits in this world. Abraham was a misfit too. And he was looking for the city with foundation. It's the same city that all the children of Abraham by faith are looking for. At present, you can't exactly see it. You can only find it by faith, which is what our text says. By faith. For here we do not have an enduring city. The author of Hebrews writes in chapter 13 verse 14. Here we do not have an enduring city. But we are looking for the city that is to come. So consider this evening the city with foundations. And there are three points. It's construction. It's permanence. It's architecture and builder. It's manner of construction actually its permanence, its architect and builder. So consider the construction of this city with foundations. The construction of this city requires a major move at the very beginning. Abraham had been living in a pagan country as part of a family that was involved in pagan worship, and it's entirely possible that he himself was worshiping some of those gods at least part-time, as his father, Terah was. But God called him away from that idolatry. God called him out of the city of the Ur of the Chaldees, the cultured and beautifully developed city in which he was living. And he told him to begin traveling to a country that he would show him. And it is at this point that our text says, our passage tells us, that Abraham does not know where God is leading him. God doesn't give any details. He says, just get up and leave your home and your country and go to a land that I will show you. You and I may feel a little bit like him at times or understand what he may have felt like. Perhaps you're not literally moving, but there may be a major decision or a major change coming in your life. And this is the crucial moment for Abraham. What will he do? Will he reason that it will be hard to load up the grand piano and the grandfather clock and the household goods? That it will be hard to say goodbye to all the relatives and to the culture that they're used to? Will he reason that after all he doesn't even know where he's going and it only makes sense to know where you're going, especially on a journey that is not a vacation, but a move to a different city and a different land a city, who knows what, when he's already got a big city. The answer is that if Abraham had any of these questions or issues in his own mind and heart, he doesn't voice them. But he promptly obeys the voice of God. You can read that in Genesis, and you see it right here in Hebrews as our author comments on it. He simply obeys the voice of God giving evidence of his faith as he packs up what he has, all his cattle, his wife, and he moves on to this land. And this is quite remarkable, especially if Abraham had been involved in idol worship. He may not even know that much about the true God, although there were lingering remembrances of God from the days of Noah and earlier. Yet Noah is now called away from from the idolatry of Ur of the Chaldees, to go to a land that God will show him. This requires faith in a promise of land. The construction of the city with foundations requires faith that there is a land of promise. Abraham trusts that God will one day give him that promised land, even though he doesn't own a square foot of property in it. He didn't go and buy a house first. He didn't go there and check it out. He simply went and trusted that God would give him what he had promised. And this prompt obedience takes a firm trust. How can it make any sense? We would ask. He's wealthy. He takes with him flocks and herds and tents and family, but he owns no real estate in Canaan. And his trust continues strong even though he lives the entire rest of his life without owning anything more than a cemetery plot in Canaan. We too wait for God to make good on His promises. You present your children for baptism knowing full well that you have not yet seen this child grow up. And you may not even live long enough To see that child embrace the promises made at baptism. There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of depending on promises throughout our lives. We are people of the promise. Not of our own actions, but people of the promise. Simply trusting what God has said. We wait for God to fulfill His promise. To honor our obedience of Him and of His will. And you may be tempted at times to give up and throw in the towel. Or to take things into your own hands. But faith is required for the construction of the city with foundations. This faith is a faith in the promise of a son. As we find out. God promises Abraham a son. Now Abraham and Sarah, we know this famous story, are both past age. She it makes a point of saying, was barren. When God promises a son, that's their situation. And Abraham realizes his age. He is 75 when he leaves Ur and still has no children. And yet God promises a son to Abraham. But Abraham sees nothing of the promise for the next 25 years. Not only is Sarah old, but she is past the age of conceiving. How could anyone ever hope that she could actually conceive and bear a son? But by faith, barren Sarah cooperates in conceiving posterity, although she at first doubts God's word and even laughs when God says, next year at this time you will have a baby." She thinks it ludicrous for an old woman to conceive. So Sarah's faith is also commended in our passage. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Some may wonder about the right translation here, but we do know from this that she clearly shares Abraham's faith and receives a posterity. That fulfills the promise of God. She has to hold on to the correction that God gives her. When she first laughs behind Abraham in the tent. When she first laughs at God's promise. She has to hold on to the correction that God gives. In all this Abraham considers God faithful to his promises. He doesn't waver. Any one of us would have doubted long before. We might not have kept on believing in God. Too many things were against it, especially age and menopause. He was, it says in verse 12, as good as dead. But note this important factor in verse 11. He considers God faithful. And that's the key. Do we consider God Faithful. This is essential. If he is faithful, then nothing can stop him from fulfilling his promises. Think of that when you think about these little children that are from time to time presented for baptism. And we already mentioned you don't know how they're going to turn out, you don't know when they will embrace the promises of God. But you accept the promise of God for these precious children when you present them, as many of you have for baptism. The construction of this city with foundations requires faith in a promise of land. It requires faith in the promise of a son. And it requires continued trust in God's plan. Abraham trusts God's word that there is such a city. A great city. Does Abraham even see that city? There were cities in Canaan, but they were walled. And none of them had the foundation that Abraham would have considered the fulfillment of the promises. And yet Abraham simply takes God's word for it that he will one day inherit all the land of Canaan as a down payment for the great city of God that he will one day receive. For he lives not by sight, but by faith. So the construction of the city with foundations, the city of God, is accomplished only by faith. What about its permanence? This is a city with foundations. He looked for a city with foundations whose designer and builder is God. Now, a tenth we all know, doesn't have foundations. A city with foundations has permanence. A city is built to last and to be your home always. A tent is parked only on the surface of the land and doesn't give much security from windstorms or break-ins or privacy or the comforts of life. My family and I will remember setting up our tent on sand I guess we should have known better in the first place, now that I look back on it. But there we pitched our tent. It was a nice view, looking out. What a lovely place to put it. But the wind came up, and the tent didn't last. We won't forget that camping trip. But Abraham is a stranger when he comes to the new country. He doesn't fit in. His language and customs may be different. Even more important, his daily walk is different because scripture calls Abraham the friend of God. The permanence of this city has to do with its foundations. The permanence of this city also contrasts with the pilgrim life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It says that Abraham lives without foundations, in tents, with Isaac, and Jacob. Their entire existence is one of pilgrimage. They're always traveling. They're always on a journey. They never really arrive at their destination. They're always moving somewhere else. Jacob, later in his con- in his conversation with Pharaoh in Egypt, described his life when he said, the years of my pilgrimage are 100 years. And thirty. It was a pilgrimage, a sojourning. He was always on the move, as was Abraham, his grandfather. So this pilgrimage is easily identified as li- a matter of living in tents, constantly setting up and taking down the tent. Paul, in the New Testament, in fact, compares death with the taking down of a tent. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This earthly tent is destroyed, he said. You can go camping, as maybe some of you did last summer, and live in a tent for a week. But after that week, you're ready to go home to running water and indoor plumbing and uh, for the vacuum cleaner and the hair dryer, and you certainly want a shower. But Abraham and his family lived as nomads. All their lives, they lived in tents having no fixed address, no fixed house, no foundation. And yet, his heart is constantly set on looking for the city with foundations. He has that city in mind. The permanence of this city is that it will last forever with a huge population. Possessing the city, we've seen, depends on the child born in faith. The city will be his one day and will have a population only if God fulfills his promise. If a son is born to Sarah, then there is hope for a seed or posterity there. But without that, goodbye to the promise. Then God even tests Abraham by telling him to sacrifice his only son. And in Genesis where he Puts it there. He, he says, your son, your only son. He drives, drills it in, you might say, that this is your only son. Sacrifice him on a mountain where I will show you. And this is the amazing truth, that when that child is born, Isaac is born, even he is childless at first. And finally, the twins, Esau and Jacob, are born 15 years before Abraham died. Abraham could have been thinking all along, well... I got this son, but who knows what will come from that? But in faith, if Abraham instead believes that his seed will be as innumerable as the sand on the seashore and as countless as the stars in the sky, for he is looking for an enduring city, a permanent city, a city with foundations. Which brings us to consider the architect and builder of that city. It says whose architect or whose designer and builder is God. You see, this cannot be a man-made city. It's true that in weaker moments, Abraham tried to help God out. Who did he take along with him on the long journey? His nephew, Lot. Maybe that was insurance, just in case. Then maybe his nephew Lot could be the son who would inherit the city of God. But God says, no, it's not him. Let him move away from you. Abraham toyed with the idea of giving all his property to his trusted servant, Eliezer. But God said, no, it will be a son born to you. It will be your own seed. And then Abraham figured he needed a younger woman. So with Sarah's advice, he takes the servant girl Hagar and has a son with her named Ishmael. But again, God says, no, it won't be that son. It will be one born to you and Sarah. So time and again, God showed Abraham that he could not build the city. Only God could build the city with foundations. Only God can establish and complete this city, for it is far greater than any earthly city. Perhaps there aren't that many planned cities in the world. Most of them just grow up. Although there are a few examples. Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and St. Petersburg in Russia were planned. And if you go to those places, you can see the layout of the streets and the places for great buildings around the city squares and malls where intentionally the city was laid out. Well, God plans this great city with foundations. He actually takes pains to lay that foundation and to build the buildings of this city. And they are described in magnificent terms, even in the book of Revelation, where the dimensions of the city are given as a four-square city. God is therefore the one who gives the city with foundations its permanence, its security, its design, its beauty, its privileges. In short, it is God who gives the city with foundations its great glory. It is God who also gives us a view or a vision of its perfect completeness. I already mentioned the book of Revelation. But there were previews of this city throughout the Old Testament period. The tabernacle in the wilderness and the temple in Jerusalem were known as God's dwelling place. The psalms delight, the psalmist's delight in the city of God with its temple in the middle of it. Psalm 46, Psalm 48, Psalm 84, you can read any one of them. They express that longing in the soul for the great city of God. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Again, a longing for the city with foundation. Zion and Salem are signs of the coming city of God, the city with foundation. The city was a long time in coming. Ezekiel describes its temple. St. John finally sees it in a vision coming down from heaven. In Revelation 21 verses 2 through 4, he sees the holy city descending from heaven, the new Jerusalem. Here's an important clue to what Abraham saw by faith. The city with foundations is the city where God dwells. And the reason for all the blessings of the city with foundations is that God is there with his people. And so we read in Revelation 22, verse 4, they will see his face. God will make his dwelling among his people in the city with foundations in that great new and heavenly Jerusalem. They will see his face. And so God creates in the hearts of his people this longing for this city. As we read in Psalm 84, my soul longs, yea, faints for the courts of the Lord. And God has been doing this ever since Adam and Eve had to leave the Garden of Eden. God's dwelling place on earth was the Garden of Eden. But because they rebelled against God and started a revolution, they were driven from that place and it was guarded by cherubim. No wonder our writer tells us In verse 16, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. No wonder the writer points to these glories, as we read it at the beginning of our service in Hebrews chapter 12, where he speaks of coming to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and the innumerable angels in festal gathering, the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven, and to God the Judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What glories are in this city. We've come there by faith if we're simply in church tonight worshiping the living God. So God enables us to remain committed to entering it by faith. You have to be committed to entering that city and you can only be committed to it by faith. You have to live by faith till you die. The reason that Abraham holds on throughout all of these long journeyings, throughout his whole life, is faith. Along with all the others mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham does not shrink back, but holds on to God in faith. He believes what he can't see or experience or feel. And our author says that all of these people including Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, were still living by faith when they died. But we have to ask, are we? Are we still living by faith? Do we keep trusting His promise, even though we don't see everything with the physical eye at this point? Your inheritance in the city of God can only be seen from a distance with the eye of faith. Maybe you've been to one of those shows, in, for example, in Disneyland, where they give you a special pair of 3D lenses. You wouldn't be able to see the 3D effect that's intended without those special glasses that you put on. I remember sitting in one of those, where it made it look like a dog was jumping out into the audience and you almost jerked back thinking that dog's going to land in your lap. In fact, I think they even splattered a bit of water on it so that it felt like the dog was spitting on us as it jumped out. That's maybe just in my head, but it seems like that's what happened. It makes it possible to see that, though, only with those special lenses. Well, God gives us special lenses. And the special lenses are the lens of faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in God's promises. Faith in His Word and what He says. You can't see these promises fulfilled with the naked eye. But these lenses enable us to see. By faith we see. In fact, these lenses are even clarified because God gives signs and seals the Lord's Supper. Baptism. The city is still some distance away for us, even now. But... It is a real city, a real city that we see and will one day enter by faith alone. Actually receiving the inheritance calls for a commitment to a lifelong pilgrimage. It says in our passage, these people could have returned to the old country. They must have been hankering after it in a way, but they resolutely Refuse to return. Even when Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, has to find a wife for Isaac, Abraham solemnly charges him, in no case can you take my son back to the old country. Isaac belongs in Canaan. The wife has to come here, but he cannot go anywhere else. The city with foundations, is in Canaan. Jacob cannot stay in Paddan Aram. He might go there for 20 years and marry four wives and come back with 11 and then 12 children. But he cannot stay in Padden Aram. He must come back with all his wives and children. If that was true for them, it's true for us, you will have to commit to tents for a while. You're never going to be fully settled here, not even in Dune, Iowa. You will have to wait longer for fulfillment of God's promise to get to the city with foundation. Chapter 13, verse 14. Here have we no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. So perseverance in faith rests on a divinely given longing for the better country where Jesus is, where the Son of God dwells in the midst with his people, where the Son of God, who is the Lamb of God, who shed his blood for those people to bring them into that city, we will have to trust that God will fulfill it. And God creates this longing then not only in the hearts of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but in the hearts of his people gathered here this evening, and in the hearts of all of the children of God who love him, And are repented from their sins and trust in Jesus. And this is what we cultivate when we make sure that our children hear the word of God. And when we pray for them regularly and daily. So what are you longing for? And what do you have in your sights? It is, as a believer, the city with foundations. Where God dwells with Christ in the midst. The very lamb, lion of God years ago i read a sermon from a christian college chaplain it was calvin the sermon was printed in the banner it had the dubious title pitch your tent towards sodom it certainly catches your eye if you're thinking about lot who pitched his tent towards sodom The preacher most likely wanted the students not necessarily to be of the world, but to be more in the world. Yet I don't think it took account of the fact that the soul of righteous Lot was vexed by his life in Sodom. Many today have literally pitched their tents in that direction, and they have experienced great confusion and disorientation, and they have almost forgotten about Canaan in sharp contrast to that sermon. Another sermon was published 100 years ago today, this year, in 1922. Professor Gerhardus Voss preached the final sermon that was printed in a volume of his sermons, and it was called Heavenly-Mindedness. And Voss describes the faith of Abraham there by which he lived in Canaan, but was looking for the city with foundations. He did not regard even Canaan as his final destination, Voss says, but focused on the heavenly city. This heavenly mindedness does not destroy interest in the unfolding ways of God throughout the history of the present world. You may have your heart set on the city of God in heaven, and yet not lose interest in what you have to do daily here in Dune, Iowa. Voss says, this heavenly mindedness lives by the things that are not as though they were already, and makes the future supply strength for the present. He insists, through the faith of heavenly mindedness, The things above reveal themselves to the believer, are present with him, and communicate themselves to him. Though as yet a pilgrim, the Christian is never wholly separated from the land of promise. Get this. His tents are pitched in close view of the city of God. Not pitched towards us but in close view of the city of God. And so he says, like Abraham, we must resolutely confess that we are strangers and pilgrims in a land of time and that the best this land can offer us is but a caravansary to tarry in for a day and a night. Dear friends, Beloved people of God, if you pitch your tent towards this heavenly city, you will have full confidence that the word of God is fully sufficient for your life direction, looking as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. For it was the word of God that Abraham believed and accepted when God said, Get up and go to Canaan. So what's the real longing of your heart? When you get older, you realize that you may not always be able to live out your days in your present home. You hope so, but you know it might not be. In fact, even this present earthly tent known as your body will one day be taken down, as we've seen from 2 Corinthians 5. This present journey, this temporary camping trip, this sojourn will be over and then, as 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, you will finally be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So where's your tent pitched? Is it pitched in full view of the cheap and temporary stuff that you have now? Or does it give you a view of the eternal home in heaven, the better country, where the lion lamb dwells? The direction of our minds tends to think only of what we have now. But Paul says that our light and momentary troubles are not worth comparing with the eternal weight of glory that will be 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. Some time ago, I came across a prayer I had read and had used it a number of times earlier. But now it struck me as a prayer that we can all use to keep our eye trained, in the right place. This is what it says. Keep me walking steadfastly towards the country of everlasting delights, that paradise land which is my true inheritance. Amen. We thank you, O Lord, for the vision that Abraham had by grace through faith the vision of the heavenly city the city with foundations who knew as he knew its permanence as he knew it would be built only by faith as he knew its architect and builder is god keep us lord seeking that same city help us never to be satisfied with this temporary dwelling help us never to be satisfied thinking That this is all there is. We know this is. We know that this is. The earth. The world you have made. And yet. There is this great world coming. This great city. Coming. Keep our hearts fixed there. Help us to pitch our tents. In full view. Of that city. We pray then. Keep me. Walking steadfastly towards the country of everlasting delights, that paradise land which is my true inheritance. In the name of Christ Jesus we pray.